We're taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Hi, this is Nathan Dominance, your co-host for Georgia Southern Extra, where we talk about Georgia Southern football. We're, we're, the, uh, we're recording on Tuesday night, and as we've learned uh, what happens, what we know by Tuesday night may not be the case by Saturday at game time, but let's talk some Georgia Southern football. My co-host is McLean Baxley, who's been covering the team for five years, and our special guest today is Adam Hunsiger, who has been covering ULM uh, for the paper in Monroe. Uh, Adam, how long have you been covering the, paper, uh, the, uh, the Warhawks? Five years now. It, it doesn't seem like it, but here we are. Okay. Is it a... I don't mean to, to sound uh, a little snarky, but is it a long five years or has been uh, you, you, have there been some highlights? Because I guess they've had a rough patch uh, for a while, right? Well, that, that's, that's the thing people don't realize. That, and contrary to popular belief, like, yeah. this, is, this, is a very, this is a very entertaining and interesting beat because there's always something going on. Now, it's not in the way of wins and losses and traditionally what you would do with sports, but just, you know, we're talking about a place that's, um, that's had that's had three athletic directors in four years, and just um, just turned over a university president um, who was you know a really big problem with um, how the athletic department rooms run. So there was all kinds of shenanigans and things going on that really kept you on your toes here. So it's it never a dull moment, just not in a good way. Oh well, I guess it's watch what you wish for. Um, and, and and Adam has been uh, not only at the games, but you also hear uh, from the supporters of the team. And uh, I guess let's first get out there. Uh, ULM is 0-3 this season, and they're playing Georgia Southern this Saturday in Monroe. And uh, what has been the, the three games? Has there been a trend of getting behind early and having to pass the ball? Uh, I know that, that they really haven't rushed the ball like they're used to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much been it. I mean, it's really been bad everything when you look at it. I mean, the defense has been – competitive enough in spurts to give them a chance that they could find a way to score, which they have not. But um, you look at it, and it's been, it's been slow starts on both sides of the ball. Typically, the defense has found a way to kind of get it together in the second half for a, a, few, a little while. But then, you know, all this stuff goes hand in hand. And when you're not moving the football and you're not scoring points, then that's not going to help your defense down any. They're going to break down. And that's kind of been the story of three games. And really, the last outing, they lost to UTEP. Uh, with UTEP, that uh, <laughs> some may uh, may know, may not be familiar with, was riding a 15-game losing streak to FBS opponents coming into that game. Their last win over an FBS team was at Rice in 2018, and that was also their last road win until Saturday. And, you know, the, if they would have lost, that would have been um, discouraging and agonizing enough for the fan base, coaches, players, everyone involved, but you know the way they the way they lost. I mean, they lost thirty-one to nothing, and that score may not even do justice to how bad they were beaten. I mean, UTEP outgained them five hundred and twelve yards to one hundred ninety-nine. They held the ball for almost forty minutes. ULM ran for seven yards total, which was the same number of punts they had, and um, only had four first downs and ran forty-five plays. So it was um, it was it was like that um, last Saturday. That that is, I mean, I'm looking at the uh, the, the score by quarters. Uh, ULM down seven nothing after one. Uh, they give up another 17 points. They scored six and third, and then uh, I guess a light fourth quarter seven. So they lose 31 six. But it's um, like you said on paper, it should have been a competitive game, 
and uh, or a better game, certainly. Uh, I think what UTEP was the underdog, right? They were. They were a nine-and-a-half underdog at kickoff. And to your point about slow starts and this confounding, here's a stat for you. ULM's now been outscored 35-7 to seven in four quarters through three games. That is discouraging. McLean, did you want to jump in here before I, I, I uh, monopolize the conversation? Yeah, I mean, what's the expectation, you know, game by game for uh, Louisiana Monroe fans? You know, I know it says on paper that there's, you know, five fans in attendance. You know, what keeps the fans to, uh, to support the team? Well, that's the problem is there's really not many. Um, you have a very loyal and vocal patch of diehards that there aren't very many of that are still around some of that by attrition and um you know some of that just by choice i mean they're just tired of and discouraged from watching this team you know have losing seasons each and every year and really um you know they're 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 looking at a situation where you've got a head coach in matt viator um who is in year five and as you all know in, in this profession when following sports when you get to about year five and things aren't going good that's when um that's when the fans tend to turn on the coach. And, you know, I think some of that is starting a little bit because and, – and that's the thing that confounds me because um, that's Monroe's a small town, much like Statesboro. So, you, if, so folks that are in Statesboro, you know all these people. You interact with them. You see them all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at ULM and you know, put into context what kind of job ULM is, okay? Um, this, is the, this is the lowest funded athletic department in FBS. Um, they are among the lowest in terms of coaching salaries, and their fundraising is, you know, quite abysmal. It hasn't topped a, it isn't it hasn't topped a million dollars in a single year in outside contributions in about two three years. So that this so you look at all these things and the deck you have stacked against you, and you know the facilities are not great, and you're in a situation where you've got a school in four uh, in all four directions with. Arkansas State to the north, Louisiana Lafayette to the south, Louisiana Tech to the west, and Southern Miss to the east. They all have nicer stuff and other things to entice the same recruits you're going after that you have to beat those schools for with things like cost of attendance. So you, you factor all this into play, and you, you just don't understand how these people cannot look at that and realize, you know, maybe coaching is not our problem. I mean, when you look at what for, for your listeners may not remember Matt Viator's background, he took this job in twenty after the twenty fifteen season. He was the head coach at McNeese State for a decade. That's the FCS school down in Lake Charles, down in South Louisiana. He was very successful down there. Had a couple yeah. undefeated seasons, won conference championships. Uh, he's the winningest coach in the history of that school. So, so did this guy yes, just forget to forget to coach because he came north? Yeah, you're you're taking the words right out of my mouth. So you get somebody who has the the bona fides, the the uh, the, the ability, but you got to give them the tools, or what they say, the groceries. Bill Parcells used to say, "I, I need the groceries to uh, to make the yeah, food." Yeah, so, they, they want uh, you to cook the dinner. You need the groceries. That's right. So, uh, do you think he's going to get any bit of a break because of uh, this year being such a strange year? And then you have a hurricane hitting, and you have uh, COVID situations and i mean the team is living in hotels hotel rooms and i mean they've had just a, a really tough start um even before they played army right yeah and not to mention um mike collins the defensive coordinator uh resigned 10 days before that army game so they're really kind of piecemealing they had to kind of piecemeal it together as a staff defensively and you know adjust and scott stoker the linebackers coach who was also a former successful fcs head coach in Louis in the state of Louisiana takes over the defense and they had to divvy up some responsibilities and get that thing going, which they're they're which they have. I mean it's still been a struggle, but they've worked through that. So yeah, I mean anyone with any sense would look at everything they've been through and say, you know, 
this is this is a year unlike any other, and I don't think that um, that um, Vitor will feel any heat or anything. He just signed a two-year extension, so he still has the administration on his side. The athletic director um, is very is very much you know in, in Vitor's camp. So I think that um, I, I don't think there's any danger of that. But really, I mean, it's not just it's not just here at ULM, but across the country. I mean. I don't see how you, barring some kind of complete and utter meltdown and off-field embarrassment and all that, that every coach in the country shouldn't get a mulligan this year. Yeah. I, I was wondering, is there is there one game he needs to win to kind of show, like, hey, it's not that bad or, or we're going to be okay? I mean, I, I was thinking the Texas State game might be one of those things, or maybe UTEP. Well, well actually, you're, yeah. you, you, you're right. UTEP was that game. Yeah. And there's a possibility when you look at the rest of this schedule, they're not going to be favored no, um, no. for the rest of the year. And, I, and 0-12 is a possibility. They, now, this is the Sun Belt. Crazy things happen. So that's not written in stone. There could be all kinds of issues or something pop up. Somebody has an off week. There's some people out in contact yeah. tracing or whatever. So, I mean, that, that may, it may not happen that way. But it is, it is time to discuss that this is, poss- that this is a possibility. Yeah, I, not to get too far ahead because it's hard to even get a, a ahead of Tuesday to Wednesday. But they do they do have Louisiana Tech and and Louisiana the uh, the Lafayette team ahead uh, on the schedule. And I I, I know uh, Louisiana the Raging Cajuns is supposed to be a a co favor maybe the favorite now ahead uh, of App State maybe. Uh, but uh, when when they're at full strength, but uh, I guess address what's the the relationship between Louisiana Tech and ULM? They have a special relationship, right? Oh, that's fun. That's um. You know, it's it's something more people nationally are starting to um, starting to discover. I mean, we we're we're in it every day up here, or up over here. But you know, Stephen Godfrey from Banner Society wrote a great piece about um, about about that about that series and that latent rivalry that you know they're finally playing again for the first time since 2000. He also he also linked a column in, of, of mine in that piece, so I'll, that's always much appreciated. But uh, <laughs> people that may not know, Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Monroe are only 30 miles away from each other. It's, it's yeah. just a quick, it's just a quick dip, dip um, west on I-20, and these schools do not like each other. It goes back a long, long time. You have, you know, you look into pit, you know, kind of assign roles here in a rivalry like you do in most. And Louisiana Tech is the one that's been the most successful. They think they on average, think very highly of themselves and they look down their nose at ULM, whereas ULM is kind of the, the, the rough around the edges bunch that's always got that chip on their shoulder and something to prove. And, you know, it, for, they used to play every year. I mean, it was a series. And then as Tech jumped, Jim made the move to FCS, formerly Division 1A, and I believe that was 1988. Then ULM was still an FCS, and – you know, at the time, ULM was a very successful FCS program. They won a national championship in 1987. And they decided to, to embark on this course and make the, also make the move to FBS, which they did in 1994. And it's really been disaster for them outside a handful of years ever since, ever since they did that. And, um, you know, they, they quit playing for a long time. Then they came back and played a series of games in the late 90s. The last one was played in 2000. And the expectations – you know, for around that game, we're still very much rooted in the past, even despite those smattering of games, not about 20 years ago being not very well attended and not very good games. But people, you know, it's a rivalry that people do want to see, but I've often, you know, kind of kind of pumped the brakes on it a little bit because they expect it to be like it was in the 80s when both of these programs were good and these are very competitive games. And 
I don't think that we're not we're not there right now. But that being said, with a year like this, it just makes too much sense for two for two schools that are this close to meet up and play. I think it'll generate some fan interest and there's some money to be made, you know, somewhat even with stating capacity and other things off this game. So it really just makes a lot of sense for them to play right now. Okay. Well let's talk about uh this Saturday. You've got ULM at home, which is always better you would think than being on the road. And Georgia Southern is a team uh that has it's one and one. But they easily, I guess, easily could have been two and zero or zero and two. They've had uh, two other games not played uh, because of COVID-related reasons. Uh, Boise State uh, game got taken off the schedule before the season started, and then uh, Florida Atlantic didn't get to didn't field a team for a game two weeks ago. So there's not uh, there's two games worth of film, if you will, on Georgia Southern, and they've shown uh, some different sides to themselves with uh, on offense with both the rushing the ball, which is their bread and butter. And to borrow a cliche, and uh, the ability to pass the ball. What, uh, Adam? What do you see uh, ULM having to do to contain Georgia Southern, not get behind by by two or three touchdowns in the first quarter? Well, it all starts with the option, and that's what and that's what ULM is most concerned about. The last time Georgia Southern came out here and played, you know, ULM it was one of those was one of those games where they had maybe their best effort of the year. That was back in 2018, and they beat Georgia Southern handily. But what they did in right. that game was you know, with, whenever you play an option team, winning on first and second down is a really, really big thing because you, you let them live in third and shorts, then you're just going to get eat up. That's, a, that's, just, that's just the way option football works. But that's what they were able to do is really control first and second down. Plus, they got, a couple, they got, some, they got Georgia Southern to cop up some turnovers. They turned those into points. And that's really going to be the, probably going to be their, their formula again for trying to get that done. But – but I will say this from watching the um, from watching the Georgia Southern Louisiana Lafayette game, I was really taken aback by how well Shy Wirtz and uh, that offense threw the football. So I mean, if there's a little balance mm-hmm. there with the option, that could be tough to stop. And I've you know I'm talking to the coaches this week. That's one thing they're concerned about. My, myself included. We people write about how Georgia Southern runs the ball, and if they get behind. Uh, whether it's against a, 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 a nationally ranked team or against a, a Campbell team that uh, had gotten up on them early uh, in the season opener, uh, they, they don't really want to have to pass their way from behind. And, and um, Shai, we mentioned Shy Wirtz. He was 11 of 18 for 255 yards. And, and McLean uh, was telling me that that's the, uh, was that the record for, it's his personal best, but McLean also, it goes back a ways too, right? Yeah, that was the most uh, passing yards by a quarterback at Georgia Southern since they moved from FCS. So, I mean, it's been six-plus years. Wow. Had over 200 yards in the air. And so, I think I was talking to Shy today about how he's been able to develop his passing yards and, uh, you know, work his arm in the offseason and everything and become that dual threat uh, that, that, you know, he wants to be and that, you know, his team that, you know, Bob DeVest expects from him. So, it's going to be interesting to see if that continues. Now, you know, Adam, what's one guy or one – thing that you know georgia southern fans should look out for from louisiana and rome well i guess i guess there's a couple ways ways to answer that we'll start on um i guess we'll make this an offense and defense answer um when when you look at, at the offensive side of the football ulm has a new quarterback um in colby seuss he's a sophomore stepping in for caleb evans who was really really good over his four years at ulm and you know you know he graduated you know Close to close to a lot of records, set some as well, um, and I think people are just really starting to realize how good that kid was. And um, you know, Colby's taking his lumps. There's not been much to write home about offensively. Most of that is due to an offensive line that's been just been flat out bad. 
for three, three, three games and hasn't had much continuity. Um, that, that position group was um, uh, they had they had ten guys out at one point when they were dealing with a, a COVID outbreak, and that um, and that showed just that there's not been much continuity or cohesion up front. But you know, Colby's had his moments. He threw for 377 yards against Texas State, made some really good throws, um, and made a couple against UTEP, but just nothing was going right. And like I, and just kind of one of my things a lot is quarterbacks not played in a vacuum and it takes everybody doing their job for an offense to work and that's been the frustrating thing because it's really affected the whole thing because going into the year ULM had three preseason first team all Sunbelt selections two were on offense one was a running back Josh Johnson he was a 1300 yard rusher last year was second to uh, Trey Bennett for the rushing title and then a tight end uh, Josh Peterson that is yes the son of head coach Doug Peterson of the Eagles who people may not know is a former ULM quarterback um, and he led the Sun Belt in uh, touchdown receptions for a tight end. But, you know, those guys have not had good numbers through three games. It's been hard to get them going. There's not any creases for Josh to run. And, you know, teams know that Yellen wants to throw the football to Peterson, so they're setting their game plans around that. And that's, you know, that's limited him a little bit. It's not for a lack of trying. He's getting targets, and they're moving him around to try to create matchups. It's just been tough. Now, on the defensive end, their other preseason first-team selection is uh, was Corey Strader at corner. He's a local kid from Monroe, played at um, Neville High School, one of our you know powerhouses here in town. Um, and he actually was actually garnered some All-American honors last year. But he announced Monday he is out for the season uh, with a wrist injury. He's having to have uh, surgery to correct that, and he's been playing with that since August camp and really was himself. Can't be physical. Use his hands like he's accustomed to because. This was a kid that led the Sun Belt with interceptions and passes defended last year, and it, it really affected his game. So they're going to miss him, and I'm curious to see if um, if Bob DeBest, who actually has a, has a history with ULM, um, if he tries to take some deep shots, much like UTEP did on, um, on that last Saturday. But um, a guy that you're going to see in the mix a lot, especially with that option, is that linebacker in uh, Travion Webster, number 10. This is his first year to start. But he's played a lot in a reserve role, and he's just been all over the field making tackles so far. The uh, the fact that UTEP threw for so many yards and all that, you think it'll be uh, too tempting, and maybe they won't stick to their identity, uh, and maybe try some more passing. Or then uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern is is not going to try to outsmart themselves or itself, and they're going to remember. I'm sure Coach um, Chad Lunster is going to remind people. You mentioned that ULM Georgia Southern game from a couple weeks, a couple years back. I think that was coming off of a win over App State, Appalachian State. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was uh, out there for that game. Yeah. I traveled to Monroe for that. They were, uh, they, they they beat, you know, top 25 and were feeling hot and then uh, just didn't show up in Monroe and, and Monroe took advantage. Yeah, so is this a trap game as, as people would like to say? Is that if it's so obviously a trap game, does that not make it a trap game? Is, are we just talking in circles here? Well, I would I would only call it a trap a trap game if ULM had shown some uh, some more consistency and ability to play to play for four quarters, which they have not yet. So that's why I, I would I would probably not call it a trap game. But the interesting thing is, you brought up Bob DeBest, and if y'all are not aware, Bob DeBest is a form is as we always joke, all roads lead back to the Southland Conference, and that's a, that's an FCS league where a lot of these guys in the Sun Belt came from, including most of ULM's staff. And Bob DeBest. Bob DeBest used to be the head coach of Texas State forever and a day ago. So you look at Matt Viator, Scott Stoker, a lot of these guys in this ULM staff, they've coached against the best before. And even um, Viator's first year, DeBest was the offensive coordinator at New Mexico, and ULM went out there and just got hammered. 
and and it was the same offense Georgia Southern runs there. They couldn't stop the dive, and it was it was it was as long of a, it was as ugly of a college football game as I've seen. So, you know, there, there, there's some gamesmanship there. They like to compete against each other. Um, they were fired up the last time Georgia Georgia Southern came in here to get them some of the best, and then you know the best got the better end of it last year in Statesboro. So that that'll be um it'll be an interesting matchup to watch to see who has who has um who has the right adjustment or the right wrinkle for the other team. Hello, Georgia Southern fans. This is producer Zach Dennis with a quick message in the middle of this podcast to remind you to think about subscribing to the Savannah Morning News if you would like to keep up with all of our Georgia Southern football coverage throughout the year. This includes all the stories from Nathan Dominitz and McLean Baxley. Right now, we have a special podcast-only offer for you guys at savannahnow.com slash digital-only offer. That's savannahnow.com slash digital-only offer. There, you can score a a sweet, sweet exclusive offer to subscribe to the Savannah Morning News online only and keep up with Georgia Southern football and our coverage of the Eagles this season. Now, back to the show. He brings you up until they actually suit up and there are these uh, announcements for the game. And, you know, as a matter of fact, for Georgia Southern, it was 33 inactives for that first game against Campbell, 33. And then last week uh, was eight. Eight players out for various reasons, and we're talking football injuries as well as uh, COVID uh, testing and contact tracing. More, more majority, most likely, as well as uh, uh, under the categories of suspensions or coaches' discretion. So, uh, if you're missing eight eight players, uh, Louisiana was missing eight starters. Big difference. They were missing eight starters, including Elijah Mitchell, who was their star running back. Um, so you don't know who's going to show up. Is is that maybe ULM's? Best shot if Georgia Southern is coming in a little, uh, a little flat or a little. Maybe this is their second trip to Louisiana in in a week. Maybe uh, you don't know who's going to suit up. Is that is that why maybe it's not the smartest season to be gambling on college football? Well, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about eighteen to twenty two year olds. I'm not sure if it's smart to ever gamble on college football. And I think <laughs> I think you got to be in a locker room to realize it, and hang around some of these dudes. But but I I, I agree with you there on that because. At this point, if you're gambling on college football, it's not because there's it's not because it's a smart wager. You just like the adrenaline rush, is best, best I can tell. Yeah. But um, but I think yeah, you know, if you're going to look at some keys there, I think the travel would be one. Having made that trip, it's not there's not a lot of easy ways to get from Monroe to Statesboro and vice versa. Um, right. So that that'll factor into play two weeks in a row, and then um, depend on who is who's in and who's out, and. Um, you know, I mean, we'll 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 see, but um, I just you know, on my end, from just having seen this team through two three games, I just I, I have a hard time knowing what to expect on the positive end. So we're just gonna have to see how this plays out when they get here on Saturday. Uh, right now, I'm I'm looking at my computer and I see a picture of Colby Suits, and I know he he can throw the ball right, and I know he's got some weapons, and I know Georgia Southern knows that. So I I, I I'm just thinking, you know, if they get in some sort of uh, track me trying to get up and down with scoring. I, I think that the defense, um, well, I guess it depends on what, what game you're talking about. The, the Campbell game where the defense was very inexperienced and shorthanded, they, they got exposed at the beginning and, and at the end and kind of had a better middle. Uh, but against Louisiana, it was a much better showing. Uh, you would hope to see uh, improvement from game to game, a progression of getting better. And that's what they're, that's what they're going with right now, that they made, they, they won the first game, but they didn't, it wasn't pretty. They lost the second game on a kick, a 53-yard field goal, 
at the end of the game by Louisiana, which was favored by 13 and a half points. Uh, maybe that was before the announcements about starters being out, but uh, Louisiana was supposed to win by two touchdowns. They needed a 53 yard field goal by a, a kid who hadn't made half his field goals and it, it worked and they got the loss. So they're coming in uh, knowing that they, they, they were two plays away from being two and zero, and one or two plays away from being zero and two. And I don't think they're going to want to leave anything up to chance uh, and having anybody go off on a big game. And of course you mentioned Josh, Johnson, um, you know, preseason all-conference and uh, 1,300 yards, 1,298 yards, and, and uh, one of the top in the country. In He had like a uh, – he averaged 108 yards a game. And this season, uh, you mentioned the, the problems with the offensive line. This season, uh, his numbers are way, way down. Uh, is it, can that turn around in, mid, in four games in, or is that some, that's a long-term problem to patch up? I, I mean, at, th- at this point, it may be a long-term problem because, I mean, I mean, even with an experience, Georgia Southern's defensive front is going to be very good uh, in the front seven and the things that they're capable of doing. I mean, we're talking about a team that has not – they. I mean, through, through, through three games, they, they have not rushed for 200 yards yet. I mean, they, they, that's, that's kind of how bad this thing has been. So You're talking total. You, you're not you, talking per game. You're talking yeah. total. No, I'm talking total the entire team. So that's why, you know, I'm just – I'm real apprehensive when, you know, bring out this, that, and the other. I mean, it, it very well could happen. But, you know, there's just uh, not a lot of evidence to the contrary right now. But, um, you know, we'll see on Saturday. The Sun Belt is known for getting weird. And um, I, this, this would certainly be, be, be type of cast. McLean, since you, you – uh, both you and Adam, uh, I guess we're at that game uh, two seasons ago in Monroe – do you have any kind of uh, inkling of what you may see on Saturday? I mean, like you said, I mean, they just can't get uh, complacent, you know, and not. And the, and the coaches were talking the other day about not taking any opponent lightly. Every team's O and O, and that's got to be the same case on Saturday. I, I and we're talking about the, the resiliency of um, getting over um, a tough loss, uh, and it was a tough loss because they felt like they had it right there, but. Um, uh, so you think maybe the stage is set for them to be of the, you know, it's not just a cliche of one game at a time. It is a cliche, but uh, they're really this season. And I've written about this. This season is more one game at a time than, than ever before that it's, it's a, it's a hard truth that, and uh, Adam, uh, I guess was an indirectly referring to like Arkansas state beats Kansas state. And then Kansas state beats Oklahoma. I mean, there's no uh, direct logic to it. So hung out with us way longer than I, I made you promise. So I, I think we all owe you dinner and, and uh, you've been, you've been a great guest and I'm, I'm including McLean in on that, the bill there, but uh, uh, you've been a great guest and I thank you for your time. I appreciate it guys. Have fun. We'll uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime later. Oh, that'd be, I uh, would welcome that. And, uh, and uh, really appreciate your insight. Very, uh, very uh, well put about everything that, that, that's gotten ULM to this point and we'll see what happens Saturday. Thanks very much. You got it. McLean, you're, you're still hanging out with us. Um, talk, to, talk to me what you saw from the Louisiana game that jumped out at you. What, what's one thing that, that uh, you're going to take away from that, that uh, roller coaster ride of, uh, of a game? I think the biggest thing is that Georgia Southern is not just a run team. You know, I think since, what, B2, they've been putting that box of triple option, running out of time, and shy words preseason talked about. And uh, he showed that, you know, 255 yards against the Cajuns, um, you know, a tough 
that crazy two-point conversion as well, you know, where he stayed alive and extended the play. Um, so, I mean, he's shown that he has that dual threat capability. I talked to him on Monday about – or on Tuesday about, um, you know, who he model, or, uh, you know, models his game out, the way he's able to, you know, be confident but also be humble when he needs to be and, you know, throw it, run it, and whatever. And so, you know, for years now, I've said that Northern has the receivers, they have the – skill players to you know be able to air it out and be able to be that you know uh spread option team you know still rely on the run because it's your run butter and you do have you know, two or three three star running backs in the backfield and be okay good uh we're doing this uh for the listeners we're doing this in remote locations uh trying to be safe and also we live uh, an hour apart so there you go um so uh, uh mclean what about uh well i'm going to say um their, their, their approach, uh, what we heard, the, the post-game comments and the comments uh, Monday with the official uh, Zoom conference call where they're talking about um, having the right mindset to uh, prepare for ULM and treat them as just any other Division One team. They're not looking at them as an 0-3 team. Um, what, uh, do you feel like uh, that the whole team uh, is mentally right there? Uh, despite their their ages of uh you know not that that's a, a mark against them but th- that uh that they, they they're going to have the uh the mindset that they're not going to want to come in flat off on a road trip and and just kind of mail it in or, or be a little bit on cruise control uh, coach chad lunster talked about uh being there that the way they attacked the ball from the very first uh start the, from the start of the game that they was a very aggressive team they weren't intimidated by louisiana and uh, you see them being able to, to to muster up that same kind of effect. I do. I think in years past when they've, um, you know, played Monroe or, or played a uh, maybe a lesser opponent, they've had, um, you know, a couple of key wins and a couple, they've been kind of up. And so if they play down, it's definitely playing down. Now, you know, they're one and one on the road, but they didn't. You know, they still haven't really, and they had a fantastic, I, I think, you know, a fantastic game not a perfect game, but a very clean game on both sides of the ball against Louisiana, but they still haven't proven that they're still 0-1 in conference play. And so um, I think if they come out like they did against Louisiana, if they come out, you know, have a 10, 10 minute drive and, and, you know, go up and down the field with ease, you know, running it, throwing it and ending up in points. And unlike, you know, get settling for field goals or no points at all, if they can get that, you know, two touchdown lead, I think the defense is, is strong enough and experienced enough to, to you know, slow down Louisiana Monroe and, you know, get out with a pretty clean win and a, and a confident win uh, going into the going into the bye week. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's the, those are some key points there that um, that Chad Lunsford was talking about in general terms. Uh, they uh, I think they, they've learned from history um, and they. Um, they they know and like you mentioned about the last time they they played ULM at at in Monroe and that it did not go well at all and uh, he, the, the not the, not that every player uh, on the team now was there then but they're going to be reminded of that though the ones that are newer they'll be reminded of that um, the uh, I, I do want to address uh, Wesley Kennedy the third he wasn't in the first game against Campbell uh, he was out uh, no reason disclosed and he was back on Saturday against Louisiana and he made an impact right from the start. Um, and not just with his legs uh, in terms of running the ball. Uh, he had a decent game there, but he, was, he went out some deep routes. He had um, 105 yards receptions on two, uh, two, on two receptions. He had 105 yards, 
So he was kind of a deep threat or was a deep threat. Um, and then he's also a threat on special teams and kick and punt returns, which is something they missed uh, on, in the first game. They didn't have his, uh, him as a weapon. I think he's been referred to uh, more than once as a playmaker and as a weapon. So do you see, um, uh, and I, I know I asked uh, Chad Lunsford about this yesterday, Monday, about uh, they, they put him all over the field. Can you kind of describe where you've seen Wesley Kennedy line up in, in his, uh, he's a senior now, over the years, where have you seen Wesley Kennedy get the ball? Um, everywhere. I mean, they've used it in the, in the little uh, sweep. They've, they've handed it off, you know, at the middle. They've gone the outside. They've, you know, done, like I said, a screen pass or a short slant. They've given him the deep ball on a wheel route. They've um, used him in punt returns, kickoff returns. Um, I mean, he, he's that versatile guy that even if he's not getting the ball, um, he's he takes focus off of, a JD King or a you know Logan Wright or Matt LaRoche, he, he that's another guy that you have to watch. And you know, he's one of the best Wesley Kennedy is one of the best players in Sunbelt, one of the best players in the group of five, and just his versatility in that you can't leave him unguarded, you can't not account for him. And so he's just another weapon that Georgia Center has. In addition to, you know, JD King, who had hundred yards on the ground the other day in a touchdown. You shy words who we talked about earlier. You know, his dual threat, you know, you've got a deep running back room. You've also got, you know, a lot of skilled guys, you know, Bo Johnson, Caleb Hood, Dexter Carter Jr., Dick Anderson. So he's just another weapon in this, you know, ball to best offense, whether they're throwing the ball, running the ball. I mean, he's he's everywhere. And that presence was felt, and he made his first game back um, really positive, you know, almost 140 yards total. Um, I mean, just, just such an impact player that, has just grown, you know, from his freshman year in 2016 to now. Um, he's yeah. just grown. Yeah, th- those of us who have seen him play when he was at Benedictine in Savannah uh, know, uh, you know, he's just got a different gear, or he can reach a different gear than most any player on the field, and uh, that speed kills. And, uh, you know, he's used in, even in the Wildcat formation. When you have a quarterback like Shy Wirtz, you don't really need to go to Wildcat per se, but um, uh, to get the ball in, in Wesley Kenny's hands is always a good idea. Um, the, uh, the, the thing you mentioned about, uh, earlier about, uh, Shywerts having 255 yards passing against, uh, against Campbell, he had 155 yards rushing, which, uh, anytime the quarterback gets over 150 yards rushing, that's usually a good sign, especially at Georgia Southern. So, uh, as we get to wrap up the show here, what Georgia Southern offense do you see, uh, on Saturday at ULM? Are they going to be, uh, more pass happy or more because we saw how teams can pass on uh, ULM's defense uh, sometimes in a big way. Are they going to stick to what they know or are they going to do something in between and just kind of go with, with what's hot? And, and you mentioned J.D. King. I just want to interject real quick that, that from my uh, perspective watching those games, he's getting a lot of tough yards inside. I mean, that guy's got to be uh, a really tough guy um, as all running backs are, but, but especially with, with the pounding that he's taken and delivered, even in just two games, uh, been, it's been really the change of pace between him and a Wesley Kennedy or Shy Wirtz, who's super quick. Uh, it just uh, makes the defensive coordinators uh, probably toss and turn at night thinking about how do you stop all those guys? And you mentioned the other weapons, too. So uh, to get back to my question, what uh, what what do you see their offensive tendency uh, against ULM this Saturday? I think you're going to see if, I, if I'm Bob the best, you know, offensive coordinator in my third year, fourth, third year. 
I'm, you know, really trying some things out, you know, make sure you establish, you know, the run and establish the passing and, you know, get a lead. But then after that, I mean, with a game like this, you know, this was supposed to be like Campbell, you know, this is why you schedule these, you know, buy games so you can try, kind of try new things and see what works best. Um, so that when you, when the, you know, time comes to play or, you know, really potent opponent like an app state or Louisiana or Troy, you know what works really well. You know what doesn't work. And so, if I'm if I'm Bob the best and shy works, you know I'm I'm really sticking balanced and, and trying a lot of different things. You know, different looks in the backfield. Um, you know, making. I mean, it seems like every time that shy throws, it's for thirty plus yards. You know, passing. So, um, maybe try some slant stuff. Maybe try some. I mean, there's there's so much in this offense and with the with you know shy not under center and him in the shotgun you know, in, the, in the pistol formation, there's so much he can do. And there's so much, you know, that tries I mean, just, just looking at last year in 2019, both him and Wesley Kennedy and JD King to now in two games, I mean, it's, it's night and day. They've improved their speed. They've improved, you know, shy's arm. Uh, Wesley Kennedy's looks stronger. JD King is bigger and he's, you know, 24 attempts for a hundred yards. I mean, he falls forward it's a really impressive runner. And so, I mean, they, they've gotten better on offense. Like they, they talked about all preseason and, and it showed um, on Saturday and they just need to continue doing that. And I think if they, um, you know, stay balanced and, and show that they can throw, I mean, I don't know if he's going to throw for 250 yards again or 20 attempts, but um, to know that you have that uh, weapon in your you know arsenal is something that, uh, you know, the best has to love. Yeah. I think uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I think that the, uh, they're going to do what go with what works and and make a ULM stop them and uh, they're not they shouldn't assume anything uh, after two games with uh, you know kind of heart fluttering uh, impacts on on the on on their, on their supporters. I think uh, a nice a nice uh, straightforward uh, victory for George Southern would be a, a welcome. Uh, you know any victory is welcome, but for the for the supporters of George Southern, they would love to see a game that didn't go down to the last play and. Um, Right now, on paper, that's what we're looking at. But, of course, then they don't play the games on paper. Well, uh, McLean, thanks very much for uh, for being my co-host. I'm McLean Baxley, who's been covering the team for five years. And uh, this is Nathan Dominance signing off. Thank you for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We'll be back next week, and we'll talk about what happened in Monroe and what's next uh, for Georgia Southern. They'll have, they'll have a, a little break in the schedule until they play a big game at App State or at, against App, Appalachian State in Statesboro. So, We'll talk more about that next time. So thanks very much, everybody. See, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. <laughs>